This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Swansea has more McDonald's and clean sheets this season, so don't forget your Muck Nuggets are closer than you think with Muck Delivery. The only thing left to say is, you in? Order now in the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via the app are participating restaurants 18 plus rewards registration required points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com for further details. Hey Spotify's, click or tap the banner to listen to Rap Caviar. The freshest 50 hip-hop songs on the rawest playlist ever. Brought to you by our friends at Stars and the new season of Power Book 4, Force. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Swan's Cast Podcast. We're joined today by a very special guest, so I'd like to introduce uh, Gutuith Llewellyn. Uh, apologies if I've said your name wrong. Uh, you can correct me, but thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. And Lee has once again returned to uh, talk all things Swansea City. Hello. Um, yeah, so before we get cracking perhaps on some of the Swans talk, I just want to maybe have a quick catch up with Guto about um, his background in being a Swansea City fan and also the fact that you know you write about them for for something that you do as a daily um, daily job, a daily living. So, first of all, what made you start supporting Swansea City? Um, basically, when I was growing up in the kind of 90s in primary school, uh, Manchester United were absolutely everything. Um, and when I started getting into football, like everybody else in my class started supporting Man United, um, my dad found out about this and decided that something needed to be done about it. Um, so he um, took me down to the, he asked me actually, um, do you want to go see Swansea play? And my first reaction was Swansea have a team. I actually like genuinely back then, you know, when we were in the old division three um, and the John Hollins di- didn't know, you know, there was a professional football club in Swansea, but my dad took me down to watch us against Barnett um early in the two th- in the 1999-2000 season it would have been um what league i was in back then sorry what league were we in back then uh the old division three so that was the season that we would eventually go up uh as champions under john holland um anybody who remembers that season will know it as kind of the most boring championship season ever <laughs> because we we scored so few goals but kept a million clean sheets um but yeah my first game was against barnett um all the glamour you'd expect from, um, you know, a game against Barnett at the, um, down in the old Division Three, but as it was back then, current League Two. Um, 
yeah, and about half time, my dad realized that I may be a little bit bored. Um, so he took me down to have a Coke. And um, when the, you don't remember much from your first football match, but I did remember that the, the cup, the Coke came in, had a Chelsea badge on it. So it must have been some kind of hand me down that John Hollins had, um, had organized from his former club. Um, but yeah, I walked up back up to, up to my seat and uh, we just missed the start of uh, the second half. And uh, Cyril the Swan was walking down the corridor towards me. And I remember as a little eight-year-old kid looking up and seeing this nine-foot swan and just being in awe. The next thing, Cyril the Swan dunked his beak in my coke and it's, half of it just spilled everywhere. And from that moment on, yeah, it been hooked when a, you know, when a giant bird plucks his beak in, uh, in your drink. Yeah, you're, you're hooked. So, yeah, from, from that point on, um, yeah, grew into a... Uh, a, a long love affair with with the Swans, and yes, yeah, lasted ever since. I never knew that Cyril was such a fan of Coke. I think I'll have to. There you uh, go. I'll have to bear that in mind when I take you don't, my. You don't grow to be that big by just drinking diet Coke. You know, it's the full no, factor. No, no, maybe, maybe that's that's where his, his secret uh, secret sort of uh, recipe is for getting to the size. But yeah, I'll have to bear that in mind when I take my little one down to his first game. Um, I just wanted to know as well because obviously you do journalism. Is there a link between it's sort of like being a fan of Swansea and going into that sort of route for a career, being a journalist. Was that what you wanted to do, was talk about the sport? Or, or was it just something that's kind of aligned in regards to your path? Uh, kind of both, really. I mean, I, I've always wanted to be a journalist from, from a young age. Not, I, I guess, more so sport when I was a kid, but not, not specifically that. And, and actually, my day job isn't um, as a sports journalist. Um, it's as current affairs investigative journalist. Um that my the what I do on the sport is just something that um, started when I was working for the Carmarthen Journal um, years and years and years ago. Uh, my editor um, came up with a good idea. Why don't we make a, a fans column and just give your opinions as a fan on um, all things Swansea City? Um, it started from there. Then a couple of years back, I was asked to um, do it for the Evening Post and Wheels Online, um, and yeah, carried on doing it really. So it's it's something I actually do on the side. Really, it's not my main my main job, but it's something I, I really enjoy doing. And um, you you speak to some sports report because I speak to a lot of sports reporters as well day to day. And um, some of them will say, you know, that uh, the more you do of uh, the more you do it as a job, the less kind of love you have for sport. Um, and I quite like the fact that I do it more out of love than anything else for the game and, you know, not not as a livelihood. And it's, it, um, yeah, it definitely means that I don't kind of fall out of love with it. And it's, um, yeah, I still feel totally passionate about it, even when, um, when I've been writing about it for years and years by now. Well, that's, uh, that's actually quite interesting. Obviously, we're doing this as a little bit of a hobby background, um, See where it takes us. Uh, but yeah, it's been a good journey so far. So it's, it's good, interesting to hear, hear that side. Um, I don't know if Lee wants to maybe touch on some of your uh, past player knowledge. I read that your favourite player is Leon Britton, and you mentioned about some of the matches that you saw when you were, you know, your first match and all the rest of it. I, I, I'm, uh, I shouldn't admit really, but that match you were referring to, I don't think I was born by then. Oh, <laughs> don't make me feel old. <laughs> But Lee's got a lot more knowledge about that era than I do. So maybe yeah, I think uh, my, I think my first game was the O three season. I think maybe O two. I was York on a Tuesday night. I think it was, and it was nil nil, and I was hooked ever since because I didn't see a score. 
and I was desperate to see a goal at the Vetch, and I was hooked ever since. So yeah, it's, uh, it seems like a long, long time ago now, far cry from where we are now. Um, yeah, and, and Luke mentioned Leon Britton was your favourite player. Obviously, we had him back then. Um, so I just wanted, to, if Leon Britton is your favourite player, I think uh, I think he might be. Um, why is that? Is it just just for the longevity, just for the the legend status? Why uh, why Leon Britton? Bit, bit of everything, isn't it? It's just I think Leon Britton is probably still my favourite player. Um, I loved him when he first came down here as a kind of dribbling winger, a very exciting player at a time when. Let's face it, football wasn't well. Things weren't going too well for the club when he first came down here. So um, he was a breath of fresh air back then. And then, um, you know, the way he grew uh, as we went up through the leagues and and changed styles and became this pass master in in midfield. Um, I think he's still kind of the gold standard of the old Swansea way and how football was played at its best down here. Um, just watching him over the years just put in those kind of regular fantastic but understated performances in many ways you know just doing the kind of hard graft to let other people shine um yeah it's i i i just thought he was a fantastic footballer really intelligent loved the club gave 100% absolutely every time he stepped onto the pitch what what's not to love really my first favorite yeah. swansea player was probably roger freestone um, oh, yeah. I, 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 I think back then, even though I was probably the shortest kid in the class, I was thinking, oh, I could be a goalkeeper. Um, and Roger Freestone was, for anybody who remembers, you know, the Swans at that time, um, was on another level to, you know, every other goalkeeper in the division. He was just a, an outstanding, outstanding goalkeeper. And another player who stayed with us for a long time and clearly loves the club. Um, that kind of sentiment goes a long way, obviously. Um, but yeah, since then I'd say Leon Britton is the one that's probably yeah. probably stood the test of time. And you yeah. know, in years to come, I think we'll be looking back and saying that he was up there among the very, very greats of this club. Um yeah. on so many levels. He's bit definitely a, an icon, isn't he? Yeah. Bit of a bit of an odd one for me. I was torn. I was always Leon Britton, but also for some reason as a kid I was obsessed with Adrian Forbes. I was just who wasn't? Oh, I just it's the work rate. I've never seen anybody run so much in my life. And then he was—he uh, was a—he he was a weird little player. Uh, <laughs> he just—he just threw himself around the pitch. I mean, the, the energy yeah. that he had, etc. And you know, not maybe the most talented player, but a very lovable one. And um, oh, yeah. I've got very um, good memories of the end of that uh, promotion season from oh, to. Yeah. Um, um, Got quite a few important, significant goals uh, in our history, and uh, yeah. yeah, another player who I think we'll all look back at with a lot of affection. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Um, <clears throat> I, well, yeah, as, as you just touched on Roger Freestone, so be, that's interesting. I've got an uncle who's like a goalkeeper as well, so I heard uh, a lot of things about his admiration for Roger Freestone. Um, but unfortunately, never followed the trend myself. I, I didn't really enjoy being in between the sticks. Um, but moving on, the last thing I want to sort of ask before we move on to talking about like how we're getting on currently, a little bit of a weird one. We asked it in a podcast last week, actually. I just thought it would be interesting to get your take on it. I don't know if you, how much of a trigger you are. Maybe maybe the answer for you is not alcohol, but you, you don't, don't want to know. It's... <laughs> no, but we just asked if you could choose any drink to have on tap down at the stadium, what would be your ideal choice? Oh, that's a great question. Do you know what? I think we've got a lot of brilliant local breweries in Swansea. 
Um, yeah. And I yeah. think actually we should set, do more to, we, I think we should do more to celebrate local food and drink down at the Liberty. And I think um, there's any host of beers that you can have there. Boss Brewery is very good. Yeah. Thomas Watkin have got loads of good stuff um, that I always love. Um, Gower Brewery, I mean, yeah. you know, Gower Power, Gower Gold, both of oh, them. Love a Gower Gold. Joe, I'd go for Gower yeah. Gold probably. If yeah. I was to pick yeah. one, I'd probably go for Gower Gold on tap. That would, um, yeah, be a, a celebration of um, of local of local beer yeah. and also, of course, um, a really nice pint as well. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go show. for a pint of Gower Gold. That'd be a good good show actually. You change all of the uh, the food stands down there to be in local. Um, you know, like they do down Singleton Park, where they got that food festival. Let's just have rotating every week all the different people in the uh, in the different food places. The, I don't know what the away fans would think about cockles and lava bread. I, I, oh, well. <laughs> I guess they're coming down here. They'll have an experience to remember. <laughs> Definitely. But yeah, let's uh, let's move on then. Let's have a look at the current season. So we've just finished. We're fresh off. The last game of the season maybe a bit earlier than the last two years for us at least after having not qualified for the playoffs this time actually i think it was the lowest finish in the league position since 2008 i was reading one of your articles earlier where you mentioned mentioned such um such a stat but what do you think about russell martin in his first season in charge finishing 15th like what's the overall reaction and feeling now the season has finished for me personally, obviously, it's been an up and down season. It's been one of transition, which which we all expected, really. And I think if you were to tell people at the start of the season what kind of campaign we've had, I think most people would have said, yeah, that makes sense. That's roughly what we'd have expected. Um, and the same probably goes to the league finish. I know a few people would say, oh, we should have finished a little bit higher. I get that, but I don't think 15th is... First of all, I don't think it's um, an unfair depiction of our season. I think that roughly sums it up. Yeah. I'm not going to complain too much. Um, uh, and I also don't think it's you know a terrible, terrible finish considering the amount of change that we've had. I mean, I was working out the other day of, of the starting 11 uh, in the playoff final at Wembley last season. Only four of them are still at the club. Um, which, which shows you the kind of change that's been. And it's been a dramatic one. I, I mean, everything's changed pretty much. Uh, we've gone from being a very, very defensive, cautious, um, conservative and, and pretty direct team, um, which didn't concede many goals, but didn't really score or create that many either, to being a very expansive passing team, which ships way, way too many goals. Um, but But from open play at least, um, scores um, quite a lot and can be very attractive um, on the eye, as well as totally infuriating when we don't have the ball. Um, in terms of Russell Martin, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm still on board. I'm still thinking, you know, that, that he's the right man. Um, I'm excited to see what happens next season. I think we've laid a decent foundation this season, albeit with a lot of work still left to do. Um, and I'm excited to see if we can keep progressing because I do think it's been a season of progress when you consider where we were at the start of the season. Uh, admittedly, you know, a state of chaos, really, considering, you know, Martin had only been appointed um, a few days before the start of the season. But, you know, he's he's really got the players to buy into the style of play uh, and the way of doing things. And I think in an attacking sense, they, 
we are significantly better than we have been at any point since um, since Graham Potter um, left us. Uh, defensively, we are the worst that we have been for many many years. That's that's no there's no doubt about that. I think some of our yeah. defenders, some of our defending this season would have um, made Bob Bradley's team look good. So. Um, you know, it, it it's not the finished article. We're, we're not there yet. There's a lot of work to do over the summer. A lot, of course, will depend on who we keep and who we sell and who we bring in. Um, but for the moment, I, I'm 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 in a good place when it comes to my opinion on um, on Russell Martin. I've um, I, I've got confidence in him, and and I think um, there's there's still quite a bit of potential here. Going to need to follow on with that one, then, Lee. No, and I must be honest, I've. Uh... I sort of more along the same lines. I've been up and down all season with Russell Martin, but I think the general theme, like you said, has been I think it's just been an in isolation. I think it's just been an average season with some with some really good moments and some frustrating moments. And I've had my uh, a bit of a up and down relationship with the team this year. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, definitely an improvement on uh, on on going forward, like you said. So I think um, watch your space for next year. It's a bit of a just a bit of a reset. I think we've seen the good moments. We've seen the the bad moments. I think you just got to wait and see how we kick on at the start of the season now. But it all depends on the on the summer. So I think that's what we we're going to touch on next. And I think yeah, um, what uh, I think you touched on a few things there. But I think we were going to ask what what do we really need in the summer to sort of make that next jump up and sort of make a playoff push maybe next year. First things first, I think we want to keep most of the squad together. I think yeah. these days, whenever we go into transfer window, it's about who we lose as much more so probably than than who we bring in. Um, we know that we're going to have to lose some players. I mean, Joe Pirro is top of that list. He is the most sellable asset that we have. Um, he's a player that could go for a lot of money. I'd be amazed if he's not here. But if if there's any chance that we can sell him and keep the our other stars up in, in the side, I think it would be a good summer uh, on that front. In terms of bringing players in, has to be the defence. It, it absolutely has to be. Um, you know, I think we've seen in the last few games of the season when Ben Cabango has been injured, just how thin we are. I mean, even with Ben Cabango in the team, we know that the defence has has problems. But, you know, we've been playing without a proper centre-back um, other than Joe Latibaudier, who I like, but who has his um, weaknesses as a defender. I think it's fair to say, I, I don't think he's helped by his stature. He's very small for a centre-back. And I think, you know, well, anybody who watched that second half against Bournemouth can see how we are there to be bullied, really. Um, I, I, things may have been different had Cabango stayed on, but, but Bournemouth absolutely battered us by going direct and just aiming high and putting us under, under pressure aerially. So we we need centre backs. We need to, and, and unfortunately, we're looking for quite specific types of centre backs. We're looking for centre backs who can defend uh, and who are good with their feet. We're basically looking for more Ben Cabangos. I was about to say Mark Ehes, but but we're not going to get Mark Ehes. <laughs> they oh, they no. are one in a million. Um, I keep saying I think we missed it. Like if we had Guehi and maybe Rode on the other side of Kyle Norton, I think those two, those three together, would have been dangerous. That, that promotion material all of yeah. a sudden you know it's but but we you know you've got to accept they've, they've gone yeah. we were lucky yeah. to have them while they were here um and we've just got to go out and try and find hidden gems who come anywhere near those two um very high standards uh, but that's not going to be easy you know defenders who 
are good in the air, read the game well, and can can pass out from the back. They are few and far between. And what we may have to do is find somebody who is a bit of a rough diamond and who doesn't exactly fit that criteria at the moment, but can be molded into them um, a bit. I think we probably had that in mind when we brought in Reese Williams, when we brought in Finley Burns, but it obviously hasn't worked out with either of those players. So it's a bit of a difficult one. I know you know people have looked at Harry Darling at. Um, um, uh, MK Dons, on the face of it, he is a player that looks like. Um, sorry, he could he could fit that description. He's big. He's pretty good defensively. He also loves to dribble the ball out from the back and and can pass it very comfortably. But I'm not sure if we're going to be able to afford that kind of player. It's we're still going to be, you know, shopping in the bargain um, section really more than more than splashing the cash. And that's that's fine. You know that's. That's what most of the championship has to do. It's you know it, it is the situation it is, but it means that we have to be quite um, quite intelligent and quite um, quite cunning really in the way that we go around things, and we have to look for those hidden gems and and the players that can be molded into stars rather than looking for the for the ready made replacement. Um, but it, it it absolutely has to be at the defense in defense, and um, it's not just centre back, obviously. Ryan, um, sorry, Cyrus Christie's um, left, and um, we're going to be looking for a replacement right wing back. Um, we may need another left back as well. You know, it's the back five in its entirety. We may, well, we may need another goalkeeper as well, depending on what happens with Bender um, and whether he's happy to stay and try and challenge Fisher for the number one shirt, or if he, you know, wants more regular first team football. It's um, yeah, it's not surprising. We've been very good in attack recently. No immediate need to strengthen there. It's it's at the back where we're really, really in need of um, of a step up in quality. And I think you know the likes of um, Manning, Latibaudier, they can fill in very well. And if they were our backup options on the bench, I would feel very, very happy with that situation. But playing an entire season as centre backs, ah. I'm not sure if we want to make it into the top six. I think we may need a higher caliber player, even though I do like both of them. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> Manning started the season looking like could be option there, but as it went on, I think some of his flaws were highlighted. He's maybe not as cool-headed all the time. I think with his decision making, as what we would need with somebody that's going to be maybe isolated in a position so important like that. But. Um, yeah, coming on off the bench, that would be would be good. But the way you've just described the need for reinforcements at the back there, it is it is a lot of work to be done. And maybe Joel Furrow is the one that's going to make way to to do that. However, it won't be just the defenders that we need to sort of invest in if he does go, because surely he's going to need replacing as well. And that's a massive task. And I'm just wondering, have you got any thoughts to how we would go about replacing his goals? Um, replacing his goals, um, I mean, there, there are a lot of goals to replace, but I think Michael Obafemi can can go a long way towards that. Um, that that's a player that we do not want to lose this summer. I think. I think the thing with Piro is, um, not we don't want to lose him because he's a fantastic player. He he's he's brilliant. He's classy. Um, he his judgment is spot on whenever he gets the ball it feels like he, he's trying to do something with it you know there's never a pointless touch with him everything is is geared towards something 
And I, I think you can make a very good argument that he is the best striker of a ball in the division um, this season. I mean, his finishing is, you know, you give him the ball on the edge of the area and you're pretty confident that it's going to end up in the bottom in the bottom corner. That's, that's how good he is. Um, the one thing I will say is, has Joe, is Joel Peru going to have as good a season next year? I don't. I think the odds would suggest not because absolutely everything's gone his way this season. I mean, when you look at his finishing, that's unsustainable over a long period yeah. of time, surely. So I think there is a very yeah. strong argument to be made that you want to cash in actually on Joel Peru this season. Even though he'd be losing a fantastic player, I don't think he'll be worth as much in future. Um, um, so, yeah, I, I, I think as much as I don't want to lose him, I think in, in a world where you have to sell to bring players in, I think... I would probably want to see him go if it means that we can keep others. But then Maybe I the think the value is like at a peak right now. And yeah. I'm just thinking what you've just described. When you think in hindsight, if you remember back to Michu and what happened in his second season and what happened after he left, maybe obviously, you missed the peak moment to cash yeah. in there. And yeah. obviously, we didn't know that Michu was going to get the injuries that he got uh, in his second season. Things would have been very different had he managed to stay injury free. Um, but yeah, obviously in hindsight, we could have sold him for about twenty million pounds that uh, that summer, and um, yeah, that would have been that would have been amazing. But um, yeah, we didn't, and and that is the risk when you have a, yeah. a you know hot property like that, and and you don't cash in. There is always that risk that the investment, you know, keeping a player, you you sometimes hear Swansea fans saying like, oh keep this player and it's guaranteed promotion. Like you need to spend everything to get this player because it would guarantee promotion. Unless that player is Alexander Mitrovic, football's not that good. You know, um, there there is is no guarantee. I've seen so many players bought over the years. I thought, do you know what? That player, you should be going up just by having that player in the squad. And it just hasn't turned out that way, you know? Andre, are you? Oh, well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's, you know, there there are players like that. And so, and yeah, if, if Piro is sold, which I think he will be, um, we do need to bring in somebody else to replace him. Um, you know, I think Patterson does a lot of that work, um, even though I, I know he's faded towards the end of the season. I'm hoping that he can rediscover some of his um, form by the start of next season. Um, but other than that, you're looking for creative influences around the squad. Um, can't see Jan Dander staying on uh, beyond this summer. Um, got Ollie Cooper, um, who's had a very good season at Newport County, but it's a heck of a step up. I'd like to see him integrated into the first team squad, but yeah. you know, is he going to be able to pitch in and, and create those chances? Uh, not Not sure yet. So, yeah, you, you need to go out and try and find that that creative play because I think that's that's really what was holding us back at times. Well, it, it's something that we've we've been looking for for years because we never really played with that player under Cooper. Um, you know, he didn't know how to use Selena, who was um, yeah. a really good attacking for, um, creative influence under um, Graham Potter. We then had kind of Conor Gallagher, who was used more as a kind of box-to-box player. Um, yeah. Last season we had Morgan Gibbs White, but after he was injured, we had absolutely nobody. And then the season has just been we've we've found, you know, Patterson first of all who grew into the role and and was um, was very good, and then Joe Piru who, um, yeah, has has carved out the niche for himself. Um, so, how do you replace a player like Piru? 
you know, I have no answer for that because it's, it, it, there is an element of luck in it. You know, it's yeah. good scouting comes into it, definitely. Um, and, and we did really well to find him last season and maybe got lucky that he turned out, you know, to, to be very good in the deeper position where we probably bought him to be a main striker. Um, but yeah, there is an element of luck in it and, and an element of good scouting. And in fairness to the club, um, I'd say that the record last summer was very, very good when it came to bringing in players. Uh, is it asking a bit much to replicate that this season? I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I think uh, I think I accept it now. That, like Perot is going to go. I think sort of maybe like March time we thought, or oh, maybe we'd keep him, but he just seems to have got better as the season's gone on. Even when we were, you know, losing games and throwing away leads, he was just still just getting better and scoring more goals. So I think. I can accept that he's going. I just, I just hope that they don't sort of sell too many because I think we're not, you know, we're not far off. I think if they can get a good price for Perot, that's fine and invested. Obviously, like you said, in the back five needs needs sorting out. Um, I think Obafemi, with the way he's been since say January, I think if he continue that into next season, he'll get a good number of goals if he gets if he gets the service. If Patterson can sort of pick up with the form that he started with uh, this season. Uh, we've been a good place. It'll be interesting to see. I, I've, another one I've had a bit of a turbulent relationship is with is uh, in Cham because I think <laughs> we've seen flashes. We've seen flashes of brilliance, but I don't think I don't think he's been fully fit this year. It's just a, I don't think there's something there's something not quite right there. But I think if they can get him fully fit and firing, I think he could be a you know like a danger man, almost a, almost like a bit of an unknown this season. Um, he sort of popped up now and then with a goal, but I think if he sort of hits the season next year, right? You know, if he hits it hard next season, then I think uh, that could be a bit of a, a danger. But uh, yeah, we'll see. What uh, I just hope they don't sell too many. That's all. Yeah, on on and champ. I I don't know if I don't know if he's going to ever be fully, you know, capable of playing. You know, of keeping a high level then for forty six games. I I just don't know if he's that kind of player. I just think yeah. the championship probably isn't suited to him in terms of his fitness because you can see that he gets tired very quickly oh, um yeah. that that's pretty obvious but when he is on form and when he is you know fit and firing he's a lovely player to watch i i, yeah. I just think he oozes class he really does the way he floats across the pitch um has a lovely shot on him knows how to pass the ball um yeah i i, I love him Cham, but there are too many games this season where he's come on and it just hasn't worked at all, yeah. um, unfortunately. Um, not dissimilar to Leroy Fair as a player or in his um, inconsistencies, I would say. Yeah. A um, couple of things before we finish up then. There's a few things I want to try to squeeze in. First of all, you've touched on Ollie Cooper. So I think I was reading, uh, maybe it was on Wales Online actually, about the potential players who are out on loan who might actually stay, who might actually go. And I think Ollie Cooper maybe is one of the ones that could try and integrate himself into the squad. And then also on top of that, from the academy, who's next to come through and maybe make an appearance, make a breakthrough? Obviously, we had Cameron Congreve this year. Is there more to come from the academy that could try and fill some of these issues, maybe at the back, maybe somebody that's going to come and um, add to the creativity, like you've mentioned somewhere that we maybe need to try and add when Piro goes. So anyone there that can maybe come up or anyone from loan that can fill those holes in to be the cheaper option, maybe? Well, the, well, the one player I was surprised in that um, article wasn't kind of 
touted for for the first team was um, was Brandon Cooper, who um, yeah. I I really like the yeah. look of, if I'm being honest, and I think he's been um, de- dealt a bit of a bit of a bum hand really um, over the last few seasons. He's gone out on loan, excelled on loan in League Two. I mean, really looked way above that level. And I think, you know, at the start of this season, he was thrown in at the deep end and had a couple of hairy moments, no doubt about it, but also, you know, did pretty well as well in a lot of games. And I think when you look at him, you're thinking that is the kind of centre-back we need. He's a big guy, likes to tackle, decent in the air, but he's also pretty good with his feet. I'm just thinking, you know, that's the kind of player that you need to mould into a first-team player. You just The, the talent there, just, just find a way of of integrating him and it may take some time and it may take a couple of mistakes, but it's worth persevering with um, to get kind of that, that next generation in. And it it could be a cheap ready-made option. So I'd be disappointed actually, if Brendan Cooper went out on loan again next season, he's been very unlucky with injuries as well. That's definitely hampered his progress, but um, even, you know, in, in the game against Southampton, the FA Cup, which was a very difficult game to be thrown into, considering we haven't we hadn't played for a month beforehand, and you know he hadn't played uh, any first team football for a long time um, prior to that game. I thought he did all right, and and I think there's potential there. So I'd like to see him integrated. Um, obviously, Cameron Congreve has been um, um, included uh, in the last few games of the season, which is good to see. Um, it would be good for him to have a, a strong preseason, and we'll see. I guess uh, at the start of next season, whether we're thinking of him as a kind of backup um, number ten, or whether we we feel he needs to go out on loan. Same, I, I'd imagine Joel Cottrell, who's been on the bench, will probably want to either go out on loan or have one more season in the um, in the under twenty threes. He's still a bit younger; he's he's got time to develop. But um, you know, he he looks like he's got potential in terms of the back. I mean, Rochesha is the one that's. Been in those in the under twenty threes for a long time now, and um, you know developed. I think he won the under twenty threes player of the season award. Um, my fear with him is that he's been playing a centre back um, for the under twenty threes, and he's just a bit of a latibody. Yeah, he's a little bit short, and I'm not sure if he's really cut out for the championship in that position because of his height. He started off as a as more of a wing a, a fullback, I think. Um, I just, yeah, I have my doubts about whether the championship is really the league for um, a, a centre-back who's, I don't know how tall he is, but he only looks about maybe maybe six foot. Um, so I don't know, but it would be interesting to see if he does get more games because he's been highly rated for a long time. Um, he too, I think, has had a serious injury. And, you know, whenever I've seen him for the under-23s, I think as a footballer, he, he looks like he's being... Um, educated in the kind of Russell Martin way, uh, the way he passes the ball and runs with it. He's, he's very confident in possession and he's a decent defender, but it's it's a heck of a jump from the under-23s to, to the first team. And I'm not sure if he's going to make it. I'm not really sure if there are any other glaringly obvious options from the other, from the current crop of under-23s to make the step up. Um, unfortunately, yeah. my impression is that the... The, the kind of downgrades that have had to be made at that level since we were relegated from the Premier League may, may be having an impact. And we're, we're probably not going to be seeing players churned out at the rate they have been in previous years, which, which is really sad because it, it served us very, very well and, and saved our bacon when we got relegated from the Premier League in 
the dire financial situation we were in. Yeah, definitely. I think Rashisha, yeah, I thought he was a right back as well. Um, and I, I was getting a bit like, uh, maybe he would have already made an appearance by now if if uh, if he was one that was going to break through, especially in that position where we have had not as much cover as perhaps where we would like to have had. Um, but I think Lee's got something in regards to maybe external players that have associations with Swansea. So you wanted to touch on before we finish, Lee? Yeah, um, obviously we've seen in the news recently the potential of Joe Allen could be coming back. Um, just wanted to get your take on that, really, because I've, I've been a bit back and forth. When I first saw it, I think, oh, you know, never go back, never go back to old players. But obviously it worked with Leon Britton. And then the more that I think about us bringing Joe Allen back, I think actually it could work because I, I don't think he's going to play 90 minutes Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. If down stays and, and Grimes stays as well, and they, those two are sort of in, the, in that midfield too, and you've got Joe Allen as another option, you know, if Downs picks up the knock. I know he had a few this year. And his experience around the squad, the more I think about it, the more I think it could be uh, worthwhile signing. So, yeah, I just wanted to get your your thoughts on that one. I'm, I'm with you, really. I, I think it depends on the context in which he's been brought in. Um, yeah. Is he being brought in as a replacement for either Grimes or Downs? Uh, if that's the case, then then he'd be a decent um, replacement but it would be a downgrade. Um, yeah. And and I, I tweeted this out the other day and got quite um, quite a few Swansea fans who are kind of, what, a downgrade? Well, Swansea Twitter is kicking off. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a bit. I was like, I, but the thing is, I think people have kind of rose-tinted glasses and remember the Joe Allen who yeah. left us and the Joe Allen who, who yeah. was in 2016. And, and in fairness, you know, he whenever he turns up for Wales, he gives it his all and he's he's still an important player, but he's not the same player he was. Um, yeah. He's 32 years old. He's had a serious injury uh, very recently and there's no doubt that he's slowed down and just not quite been the same player since that injury. Um, so I, I I think, you know, he's still a, a good championship midfielder, but he's not one of the best in the, in the division anymore uh, in the way that he used to be. So I think you know he's a good player. If we brought if we brought him in, then he would fit in beautifully into the Russell Martin style of play because he's made for it really, and and he would suit it much more than he suits Stoke's style of play, which has never really been a good fit. And it's I do feel it's been kind of six wasted years with Joe Allen and Stoke both yeah. both bad for the player, um, just been a bad fit. Um, which is frustrating when you see a player at the club and you think you could be achieving more if you were at a different club, you know, it's um, yeah. infuriating. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if, and the other thing I would question is um, the financial side of it is, well, he's on big wages at Stoke. Um, I know he would have to take a, a wage cut to come here, but it would have to be quite a significant one in my opinion, because, um, you know, we, we have limited resources. Um, and if, spending more on Joe Allen's wages means that we can't go for players in positions where we are shorter and in, in greater need of, of reinforcements, then I don't think that's good business. Uh, and I, I just think last summer we did so well in bringing in young players uh, with a real potential sell on value. Um, you know, the likes of Piro, Obafemi, Downs, uh, all very young players um, who we could sell on for much more than we paid. That's not going to be the case with Joe Allen. He's 32. Nobody's going to be paying for Joe Allen from this from this stage on in his career, um, no matter how good he is. So, you know, 
you don't want to invest too much in that kind of player. I think we went astray in that respect, um, both in the final years in the Premier League and even under under Steve Cooper. You know, the fact that we gave Ryan Bennett a three-year contract at the age of 50 at the time seemed like bad business. Um, now that we're only two years into that contract and he doesn't have any place in Ryan, in Russell Martin's plans, it, it looks seriously daft. Um, let's be honest. That was yeah. a, a very short-sighted signing. Um, born out of panic after selling Joe Roden so late in the window. And, you know, that, I think yeah. Ryan Bell has done a decent job for us on the whole. Um, but business-wise, I don't think it's made any sense whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, I have my kind of... I have my doubts. I have my kind of worries about spending big money on on, on the 32-year-old Joe Allen's wages. Um, I just don't want us to get tied down with, with Joe Allen. Um but on the other hand, he he's you know uh, he's still a very intelligent player who who plays our style, um, could contribute a lot to this squad, and we all love Joe Allen, and he is yeah. a, you know he, we we created Joe Allen. He's a former player, um, and you know when he said then never go back, I don't strictly agree with that. I think our problem was that we went back too often in, in the past yeah. and got lazy and just looked at kind of former players and looked you know looked at some like bony and just thought oh. We can magically make him the player he was. Um, I think there's a naivety in that, but we have had examples such as Leon Britton, such as yeah. Gilfie Sigurdsson, um, who we've brought back to the club after they've departed, and you know they've been massive successes. So, um, yeah. you know, it's not necessarily the case that um, you shouldn't go back. Um, people of a certain vintage will tell you that Alan Curtis had three spells at the Swans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, some of, some of our greatest ever players have um, been and uh, been and gone, and then come back later. So, um, yeah, with Joe Allen, I I'm I wouldn't say strictly on the fence, but I have my concerns about the transfer. Even though I do think Joe Allen would have quite a bit to contribute to this side. It's a bit weird how they've touted uh, Corey Smith going on a free transfer as financial reasons. And he's in the same position where you'd sign Joe Allen on a free transfer. Is he older than Corey Smith? I think maybe a little bit he is. And, they're roughly um, the same age, aren't they? Yeah, it's roughly. just like it's just I don't know. That doesn't really make sense, does it? You're letting someone go that's already here because of the contract situation. And okay, maybe he's on a bit high wages. He's not going to be really around the first team that much. But then you're going to kind of sign someone in to do that same job, really. I do, I do think Joe Allen would be a step up from from. From Corey Smith. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree with that as well. And Corey, yeah. Corey Smith gets a lot of unfair stick, in my opinion, because he gets played out of position. Yeah, and he's asked to, he's asked to play positions they simply can't play. I I I think he's an appalling right back, but he's not a right back. You know, it's yeah. um, you know that's that that's the truth. And when you when we have played him in his natural position and holding midfield this season, I think he's done a decent job. Um, but I think I think Joe Allen would be a step up as a, as a backup option to both. Corey Smith and probably Jay Fulton as well, who's a player, another player I've I've liked in the past. But I think Joe Allen would be just a, a little step up from from both of those. But not but anybody who thinks he's uh, at the same level or even better than Grimes or Downs um, either no. has some weird agendas or just simply hasn't been watching those players or three players yeah. enough. Um, people love to hate on Grimes it. though, so like so, it's, yeah, it's some, people love to hate on Grimes. I'm not sure what it is about it, but. As always, talk. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I think it, it does depend on the context. I think, yeah, if they're bringing him in to sort of be alongside those two, I think, you know, it could work 
depending on uh, what wages they offer him. It sounds like it could just be his sort of last contract, for, you know, finish it out at Swansea, finish his playing career out uh, where it started. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it could work if... Uh, yeah, one thing we did struggle with last year, I think, was depth. Sometimes you looked at the bench, and I just think, who's going to come on and change this game? And, uh, like, we were at Reading when you could just see the tide turning, um, and we just couldn't get back into the game. And the same at Bournemouth, you could see it coming again. So I don't know if Joe Allen would be that type of player to come off the bench and sort of steady it down. I know he's obviously not tall. You know, he's not tall. He's not going to be phys- as physical as uh, as he was. But... Um, I don't know if he can sort of just steady the ship a bit with his experience. Yeah, but the, the thing is, the one area where we have had depth is in central midfield. That's why I'm I'm kind of, you know, not quite sure about that argument because anywhere, if Joe Allen was a, a, a wing-back, a centre-back, a striker, an attacking midfielder, a goalkeeper even, you'd say, well, yeah, it, it, we need depth in those areas. But actually, in midfield, we've got... Grimes and Downs were both fantastic. Um, then you've got the backup options of Encham, Smith's leaving, but you've still got Fulton. Um, you know, it's it's not as if we're we're desperately short of options and and you know decent options as well. You know, as backup players, they're far worse backup players you can have than Fulton and Encham. So um, again, when we're looking at areas to prioritise, I'm not sure. Even when it comes to depth, I don't. I'm not sure. Um, central midfield is the area to prioritise and God knows we need depth in other areas oh, of the yeah. pitch because we, like, I mean the Bournemouth game for me was the one that highlighted it oh, more yeah. than anything um, our starting 11 was very good but as soon as you went below the below the surface you know you were down to the bare bones and um, it, it was painful really to see players having to be played out of position to, to try and cover for others and, and it just didn't work um, so yeah unfortunately I, I I don't know how much the depth situation is going to improve because yeah. finances are so tight across the, the the championship these days. It's very few clubs unless you've got the unless you're dripping in parachute payments. You know most clubs don't have the resources to have kind of big twenty five man squads where where no. you know you have a lot of options. I mean Nottingham Forest try and Nottingham Forest try to do that. Um, over many seasons, really build up the squad rather than just having a, a strong eleven, and um, it, it it never worked for them really. Uh, and only this season, when they've actually trimmed the squad and brought in you know decent coach as well, and found a formula that works, have they, have they actually clicked in any way? Um, depth, I think, is a luxury, is a real luxury for most clubs in the um, in the championship, and um, oh, yeah. it's a luxury that most clubs probably can't afford, and and we're probably in that in that category let's face it oh, yeah. yeah i think uh maybe if he does come in it might signal perhaps felton and smith go in but we'll have to wait and see i think um and then maybe it would make a bit more sense if that is the scenario but i just want to say then thank you very much for coming on i know it's been a little bit longer than i maybe said at the start but it's always good when you're chatting about the swans and then you get carried away and that is i mean we could go for a lot longer i'm sure so perhaps we'll speak to you again in the future but again, thank you very much for coming on. I don't know if you want to tell everyone maybe where your work is or Twitter, anything like that, if you want to have any interaction. Or if not, that's fine. Yeah, if, if anybody wants to abuse me for any of my uh, opinions, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Gittothwillin. Uh, and uh, you can read my weekly column in the Evening Post or on Wheels Online uh, every Saturday morning. Uh, I used to deliver for the Evening Post. That's actually how I got started supporting the Swans when I used to read them on the back pages all the time. And then, yeah, the rest is history. But, uh, true story. 
But um, yeah, thank you very much. And thanks, Lee, for coming on once again. Right. Hope everyone enjoyed. If you agreed with what we were saying, as always, let us know in the comments. And if you think we're talking utter rubbish or have any other opinions, you think that, I don't know, Joe Allen is going to be the world beater if we sign him, let us know in the comments below. And we look forward to reading them and interacting with you as well. And also, as Gutu said, shall we have more local breweries in the in the stadium? Following on from last week's question, are you happy with what's there now or would you rather see some Gower Gold? So, yeah, get involved in the conversation. Thanks both for coming on and we shall see you in the next one. So, have a good day. See you soon. Sports Social Podcast Network. The match has just finished and you're on your way home. What better way to celebrate that 90th minute winner than a McNugget share box and a few tips with your mates? You channel your inner Ronald as you race to beat the muck delivery home, just making it an injury time. Ordering muck delivery is easy on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.